Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Welcome to this Sunday edition of Heritage Bible Radio. This week, Pastor Jim Harris has been teaching us from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. This is the account of a single miracle recorded only in Mark's gospel. Jesus and his disciples have come to Bethsaida, the home of several of the disciples. And Jesus is continuing to teach the disciples, but as we can see from verse 21, they still aren't getting it. Jesus asked them, Do you not yet understand? And this new miracle provided an illustration of their lack of sight. Jesus asks the blind man, Do you see anything? And we might add in parenthesis, yet? The disciples had much still to learn before they truly saw Jesus for who he really was and what that meant for their lives. The town of Bethsaida missed it and received woes from Jesus, which raises questions for you. How much have you seen and understood of Jesus? How has it changed your sight? How has it changed you? Do you understand yet? Here is the last slice of the message entitled, For Your Eyes Only. Are you still not seeing? They were in a process of coming to see. They were in a process of getting it. So this man's healing is an illustration of going from spiritual darkness to spiritual sight or from darkness to, uh, to light. If you want to find a reason for a two-step healing, maybe that's a picture of where the disciples were going. They were sort of beginning to see things spiritually, but they hadn't gotten it all put together yet, and they were going to come into clear focus. So in this case, telling the man to go home and not go into the town of Bethsaida seems to illustrate the confirmation of divine judgment on the people collectively who were in that place. Just like their apostate religious leaders, the residents of Bethsaida had no excuse for their unbelief. Everybody in town could probably say, were you there on the day that we ate the miracle fish and bread? They had seen with their own eyes. They'd witnessed many other miracles, but they refused to repent. So I think Jesus, withholding more information from them, was picturing judgment. Why do I have the boldness to say that? Because Jesus said it. He's going to take them up to Caesarea Philippi. We're going to see that next time. He's going to make another trip way down to the south. He's going to spend some time ministering in Judea before he goes to the the cross. And when he's in Judea, before he goes to Jerusalem to give his life, he's going to say this, which is recorded in Luke chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Woe to you, Chorazin. We'll talk about Chorazin later. Not today, but some other time. He says, Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, those 
Gentile, idolatrous places. If the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. Now, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And if we were preaching through Luke, we could maybe take some time and talk about that. Like, who can say if this had happened there, that would have happened there? You kind of got to be God to say that, don't you? Okay, another subject. So by escorting this man outside of town, denying him the opportunity to go back and talk about it, Jesus seems to be confirming the permanence of Bethsaida's unbelief and His own coming judgment upon them. It's like the Pharisees whom He confronted earlier. The, the residents of that generation in Bethsaida were being sentenced to eternal spiritual blindness. That doesn't mean no one from there could believe, but that was the pattern of the people there. Another reason that I think this miracle is here and happened in this setting and in this manner is to emphasize again that we are seeing the close of an era in the life of Jesus. We've talked about Him being in Galilee for well over a year. Then He'd taken that one trip that up to Tyre and Sidon and over to Decapolis and back across the, the Sea of Galilee and one more confrontation with the, with the Pharisees. Um, now He's moving on. And this is setting up the next section. That's the one in which Peter is going to confess on behalf of the disciples, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter and the rest of them knew from the book of Isaiah that maladies like deafness and blindness are going to be banished from the earth when the Messiah reigns as King. So this is signifying that the, the public ministry of Jesus in Galilee is over, and His focus is on training the disciples. From this point forward, with the cross only a matter of months away, Jesus is going to be speaking very plainly to the twelve about His coming death. Stay tuned. That's coming to a pulpit near you, Lord willing, next Lord's Day. Now, healing this man's physical blindness, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. It, 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 it really is. It, but it's just a glimpse of what is to come when all who believe in Christ will have their spiritual blindness removed. Jesus used the metaphor, but the Apostle Paul picked it up and developed it even further in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 3. He says, And even if our gospel is veiled, so it's blurry, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Isn't that a great mixture of concepts, blinding a mind? Physical blindness is a picture of intellectual, spiritual blindness. And Paul goes on to write, 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, I wish that I could restore sight to perfection. Um, I'd, I'd start with me, where I could take out my contacts, and you wouldn't all turn into trees walking around. You know, I, I'd even spit on your eyes if it would help. Any volunteers? Anybody want to test that? No, let's not do that. Alas, that, that gift isn't for our use these days. But I know this with no doubt, no hesitation, no reservations whatsoever. I am sure that absolutely no one needs to leave this place with spiritual eyes darkened. Your sin, apart from Christ, separates you from God. But God has made a way to preserve His own righteousness and holiness while taking away your sin and your guilt. Romans 3.26 is where it says that God is both just or righteous. He is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You need not be separated from God by your sin any longer. You need not be confused. You have seen in His Word the evidence that Jesus manifested His deity. You need only to cry out to Him in repentance and put your faith in Him. Not only did Jesus heal bodies to prove His identity, but far more important than physical healing. You know, if I could heal you physically, I could make you more comfortable while you're on your way to hell. If we don't get beyond the physical and get to the spiritual issue, it does no good at all. Far more important is the ongoing miracle of forgiveness and eternal life that is given as a free gift. And that miracle goes on today all around the world. You probably know the famous verse, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn. It's owed to you. That's yours. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift, that's what you haven't earned. That's what you can't earn. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just in case there's anyone here and your eyes are not open to the spiritual reality of who Jesus Christ is, pay attention. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 puts it this way. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. What a glorious, glorious Savior He is. Let's pray.
Our Father, how we thank you for the riches of your grace. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.